You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. Today's episode is brought to you by Solid Gold Effects. These guys are, uh, you know, they've been with me since uh, day one. They've been very supportive of the whole Tone Mob project. Of course, making the Model 1, like you guys know, and... So it's nice to have them come on board as a sponsor of the show. And they really, truly are one of my very favorite pedal companies. Um, my first delay was the Electroman by Solid Gold, and I absolutely love that thing to this day. It has an effects loop. That's the pedal I'm talking about whenever I'm talking about playing with uh, effects loops and delays. And it sounds awesome. It has the lovely, lovely runaway switch, so you can get crazy and have a... Have a good old time with a big old wash of crazy, fuzzy, delay, whatever you stuck in the effects loop. Whatever you stuck in the effects loop, that's what it's going to do. It's going to make magic happen. So check out the Electro Man, and yeah, you'll be very glad you did. This episode is also brought to you by Sinusoid. That's right, the guys with the uh, sweet, sweet 100-year warranty on their guitar cables. The guys that are super chill and super awesome and I don't even know I don't even know if I can say enough good things about the dudes over at Sinusoid. They have been a huge supporter of the show and they make awesome awesome products and if you like what you're hearing, you like guitar, you're going to need some cables at some point. So, you might as well support an awesome company who's helping support your local guitar podcast. I mean, right? Why not? And uh, plus, you know, like I said, they got a 100-year warranty. They're really nice. Just the presentation of everything. It's just like you feel like you're really getting something special, and you are. Plus, I have it on good authority that they are the preferred cable of birdwatchers. So take that information and do with it what you will. Hello everyone, welcome to another very exciting episode of the ToneMob.com podcast. I'm your host, Blake Wylan, and with me today I have Matt Ike of Mule Resonator Guitars. How you doing, sir? That's me. Hey, it's uh, it's pretty cool to be on and doing this, talking to you about these guitars. I'm pretty, I'm pretty excited, because I... I like I told you before, I played resonators. I know what they're about and what they what they sound like for the most part, but I don't really know anything about them or the history behind them or or really how they're constructed or or anything. I don't know any of the nitty gritty details. So you would yeah, they're kind of like they're kind of like the redheaded stepchild of the luthier world, you know, where either it's a old national guitar or it's got some crazy lightning bolt hubcap you know something on it right. so yeah yeah it's uh it's definitely a new new kind of thing nice um well maybe before we get too into the guitars themselves and what uh we could get your kind of musical backstory and then how that folded into uh you doing what you're doing today um yeah so i guess kind of Long story short, um, I started playing guitar in high school, and um, when I was about to graduate, I was kind of looking for 
what I like to do that required the least amount of school possible. <laughs> and uh, so I ended up at Roberto Van um, Blue 3 School there in Phoenix and went there and then uh, kind of traveled around the country doing um, random jobs for a while. Ended up at Hudson Dalton Guitars in Virginia um, for a few years. And that's kind of where I learned uh, the meat and potatoes of making guitars. It, it's a pretty small shop. I think we had 11 or 12 employees um, when I was there. So you were able to do a lot of the work. Um, but most importantly, like a large quantity of work. You know, we were doing eight guitars a week. So I was carving uh, four necks a week and uh, milling up brace stock and binding and all of that stuff. So, you know, after three years of of doing that I got my hands on a lot of guitars um uh moved to Chicago for a while uh to help out with some family stuff and then um lost my job in 2009 along with a lot of other people and uh ended up moving back to Michigan saw Kelly Joe Phelps play resonator guitar and uh kind of left thinking um I could maybe possibly learn the metalwork and combine that with the guitar stuff but also like make one that looked like the natural materials so without the nickel plating or or powder coating so there was the whole uh materials and patina involved with that too so um yeah so th it started out with that concert there at kelly joe's and um uh, built four in the first year and then ran out of money and ended up at a factory um uh, swinging engine blocks and worked there for two weeks and had a wait list so I quit and the wait list grew and grew and grew and now it's um now we've got a nice nice shop and it's uh me and my brother Phil and my friend Adam Smith who build them so um yeah so it's kind of a long story not so short but <laughs> it took it took a good 13 years between graduating high school to um, getting the mules going, so I'm uh, I'm pretty happy to be doing it. That's a uh, that's really cool. Um, so it was just really that one concert in particular that kind of made you go. Oh, I think I want to try. Oh, it the yeah, it totally was. I mean, I had never played a resonator guitar before that show, and like, I mean, ten years almost exactly before that, I was at Roberto Van. And I had long hair, and I was into the metal, you know, thing. And uh, I heard Kelly Joel play, and that was the first time where I was like, oh, you can play guitar with your fingers. Like, this is crazy, <laughs> you know? Like, my ex my experience with acoustic music up to that point was not that. And so I heard him play, and I was just like, whoa, like, this is a whole different thing. And so that that really steered me down the acoustic direction, and that's how I ended up at Hudson Dalton. So then, yeah, 10 years later, after getting laid off, and I'm up in Traverse City seeing Kelly Joe, and he uh, he had his national, and people just, like, lost their minds about this guitar. You know, like, they're yelling questions about it in between songs, like, what year is it, and, like, what's it made out of? You know, all of that, it just... It, resonators there's just so much guitar you know like they're just so loud and they're metal you know like people who don't even play guitar think that's cool so right uh, so yeah it, w it was definitely like leaving there like um 
like this could be something and he had made a joke about it blinding the audience like the the plating and i think that's what kind of spurred on the like well i'm you know i'm a guitar player i like the materials like what if it looked like more like the natural you know steel or brass that it was made out of so that was kind of the combination of those two ideas right right was it did you find it was a a, a big learning curve going from you know tr- the traditional working with wood and like you say binding instruments and things like that to do it trying to make a similar thing out of metal or was it fairly straightforward oh it totally was it i mean it's totally different what the what the guitar experience before that helped with was like carving sanding staining setting necks and then like the geometry that needs to happen being able to understand that stuff like you know your your cones are certain heights so how deep does the sound will have to be to get a certain neck pitch because your saddle height and your hand rest having the guitar knowledge helped with that that sort of stuff but the i mean the but there's nothing that's similar with the body you know it's all metal how do you cut i i never cut a piece of metal before it was like oh you can cut steel that's amazing <laughs> you know like who would who would think and then it's like how do you join steel <laughs> do you weld it do you braze it do you solder it and the big learning curve in the beginning was because there's so few people who do this and have done this there's almost no like resource of knowledge you know so it was it was talking to welders it was talking to bike frame builders it was talking to roofers because like traditionally soldering is kind of uh like sheet metal soldering is reserved for like uh tin roofers you know in different sorts of joints and stuff so i would call i would call like a roofing place to ask them about some industrial soldering iron that they have be like yeah i want to build a guitar with this and they're like i have no idea what you're talking about (laughs) you know (laughs) and so so it was like trying to piece together all of that stuff and then like um you know having some parts water jet cut or laser cut so then when you realize okay these are kind of the machines to do parts of that all the water jet guys were saying, oh, no, you need to have la- this laser cut. And all the laser laser guys were saying, oh, you need to have this water jet cut. You know, so it was just like oh, a no. matter of like <laughs> doing it. You know, it's like you, you. I just had to decide and put money down and have it done and then try to learn what went wrong with it or what went right and like keep moving forward. Because there was no one to ask, you know. Um, so it was trying to figure all of that stuff out from scratch. And so trying to figure out like what needed to be done, but then how to do it, like what sort of jig do you use to assemble a sound wall, you know? And, and so you just start making a bunch of jigs and figuring it out. So, yeah, man, I mean, the guitars, the guitar knowledge helped, uh, previously, but getting it started was, was brutal. It was, it was a long process. Yeah, I would imagine so. And that's kind of what it was what I was thinking and like one of the reasons I wanted to talk to you is like there's not very many people doing well there's nobody right now currently that I know of doing exactly what you're doing and uh oh, yeah, the only the other one, there's like, one guy uh Larry Pregrabo was doing it for a while and then he kind of got out of it and he I believe he's back and doing it now and he builds some really cool stuff. 
uh, Mike Lewis, he's in Paris, he makes them, uh, Don Moe in Australia, um, and, and those are kind of the ones that I know of off the top of my head. Right. So, yeah, we're kind of spread out over the world in our <laughs> I was going to say, we can, sounds like we get one or two per continent, it sounds like. Oh, yeah, totally, yeah. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And, you know, like, in the beginning, it was just kind of like, oh, I have this idea, I wonder if I can make this. And I'm really stubborn about stuff like that. Like, once once that itch gets in my brain, like, I have to scratch it. Like, I have to figure out, like, will I be able to do this or not? Um, but then, like, as it went on, it was it was kind of a conscious decision. Like, oh, you know, everyone's kind of playing the game of... I'm going to only use the finest spruce and the finest Brazilian rosewood, and these will be the most exclusive instruments. And uh, by doing the resonator thing, I can play my own game. You know, it's something that hadn't been being done. And then particularly, like, with the patinas and stuff, um, you know, as opposed, like, there's so many amazing guitar builders out there now. And if I'm trying, if I'm, I mean, I was really stuck in a spot after getting laid off. So I had to find something that worked. It wasn't just, well, I really like woodworking, so I'm going to build. I, I had to find something that would work and um, kind of, kind of playing that game that nobody else was playing really, really helped. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, that, that makes sense. And it started ticking in my brain and I was I wanted to ask you because I've had very little experience with not only with resonators but with guitars made out of metal in general like um you know the only ones I know there's more but the only ones that are coming to mind currently are like the electrical guitar company guitars and um there's a local guy here to me um uh, who does uh I played his uh like semi-hollow aluminum yeah Electric, oh, cool. uh, Normandy Guitars is, is the name of his company. It just happened to run into him at a guitar show at somebody's booth, and I was like, that thing looks rad. i got to try that. And Yeah. It was really cool. Um, but I'm just thinking, you know, he, I, I from looking at his uh, website and stuff, like, he generally um, prefers the sound of an aluminum guitar um, or a metal yeah. guitar. Um do you do you kind of feel the same way like you even for like th- take the resonator part out of it because i know you like you do the mule caster do you prefer yeah. the sound of, or something about metal guitars over wood um you know i've like speaking about the like the mule caster something that we've found um is you have that open body and then you have the steel which makes it really loud and um you know it obviously changes the tone of it but something that i've i've really come to enjoy about those steel guitars is because the body volume is so much greater not that you can play louder because that's not an issue with electric guitars and an amp but you have more dynamics like when you play soft it's soft but you can you can really dig in and it gets so much louder and what that what that translates to i feel anyways like in my right hand is the touch that you get with like the pickups and stuff is really it's really something when i get on like a normal you know potted pickup solid body guitar it kind of feels 
compressed where you know the lows aren't or the, you know the soft stuff isn't as soft and the loud stuff isn't as loud and it's kind of this really you know thick down the middle which has its place obviously but with um with these open body steel guitars it's just the dynamics you can get with your right hand is is really something so um yeah i'm i mean I think resonators, steel body guitars is a lot like drinking coffee or drinking whiskey is like, there's a little bit of a learning curve where, you know, the first couple times, um, you know, it's kind of painful. And then once you get over that hump, you're like in, you know, you are, you are a coffee drinker. And that's where I'm kind of at with resonator guitars in particular is, you know, the bug bit me pretty hard. So, um, yeah. I, I definitely do prefer the, the metal sound right now, um, just because I'm pretty far invested in it. <laughs> so, right, that's a that's interesting. Yeah, it makes me uh, it makes me wonder just because they're you know as with everything, the internet kind of helps expand people's awareness of of certain things. I wonder how um, receptive like the general guitar p- playing public is to some of these ideas because like. Everyone's very set in uh, the ways of the like, you know, you know, certain tone woods and and all that. And I, I, everyone's got their opinion on it. Um, and it seems like, you know, in my mind, I I feel like it's more about the builder um, than the the wood itself. Sometimes. Um, yeah, for um, sure. I and I agree with you. I think for one in particular, like resonators are definitely a niche. Thing. And so it's and it, the internet has made it. It's never been easier to find your niche, <laughs> you know. Like there are resonator guitar internet forums where all the resonator players of the world can get and geek out, you know. Um, and and I think you I think you bring up a good point too with it being about the builder. Um, and that's something that I'm I'm pretty um, explicit about. Like I try to describe the sound of these guitars in as basic terms as possible. Um, just because it's so hard to describe sound, you know, in words, especially on the internet, because everything can be expanded so much further. This is the basiest, you know, this is our double O guitar is balanced and sweet, but yet it booms with the low end of a dreadnought. And it's like, right. it's not true. Like you're, you're just <laughs> saying words to sell guitars, you know, like your double O does not have to be a dreadnought to, you know, make this accessible to everyone. It is what it is. And when, when you buy a guitar from a builder, it's, it's about that connection with the person that's making it because this guitar is not in the world. I can give you, I can give you a a rough, you know, idea of what this guitar will sound like. But in the end, this is the guitar that you as a customer helped create and bring into the world. It is what it is. That's the fun part about guitars. You know, I'm not, I'm not tapping the steel. I'm not deflecting, you testing, whatever you know there are there are things that i do to to control the sound of course but in the end it is what it is and that's that's what's awesome about instruments is i don't have this imminent control over every you know eq level to try to you know bring out that 
that mid sound that you've always wanted. Just, you know, enjoy the instrument for what it is and the process with the builder and um and then and then you get a guitar that's really fun and teaches you things about sound. So Mhm. Yeah. That you that you touched on some points where I was kind of headed with that tone wood topic like um like I I do know that like in my experience I've picked up, you know, two guitars that were supposedly the same from the same factory or from the same builder and they just one was good and one I didn't like. Yeah. Um, I think everybody's ran into that. Um, what I was thinking is like with, with steel and the way that you, you spend so much time with each guitar, seems like there would be a lot less variance with, with steel than there would be with wood. Yeah, you would think. And I think in, um, you know, in certain terms there is less variance. Like I don't want to give the impression that, um, like all of these are incredibly different instruments, but they, but they are, I mean, we've, um, we're, we're coming up on like number 300 here pretty soon. Nice. And I mean, every single guitar that I sit and play on, I hear, I hear new stuff. Um, you know, it's because I mean, steel, steel is still a created thing. It's not this like scientific laboratory controlled thing. Like you're, you're heating up elements and melting them and, you know, it's cooling and, and you know all of that stuff so so there is some there is some randomness involved um there's also like a big thing with building these mules in particular is like the tension in the back um i kind of think of that as like a drum head so that influences the sound a lot too um but yeah i mean steel piece to steel piece you know every guitar i can have five guitars on the wall and we can we can hear differences in them, so it's it's not a cookie cutter thing. That's interesting. Yeah, yeah, that's, yeah that's it's not, super fun. That's not what I would have like in, would have thought at all. It would have been like, well, you know, this grade of steel it has this much this in it and this much that in it, and therefore it is yeah. what it is. Yeah, you know? like the percentages <laughs> and stuff. And and so we use stainless steel. We use three hundred four stainless steel. So like, there's differences bet- between like those different steels like you can get 304 but you can get 304L which has a lower carbon content which makes it um less dense so mm-hmm. now it's it's less dense so that's going to affect the steel but you can also get like 304 BA which is bright annealed steel so so the grade is or the alloy is the same but with like the bright annealed stuff that we use for the backs of these guitars, what they do is after the steel's cooled, they heat it back up to a certain temperature and they hold it there. And what ends up happening is all the molecules realign. And um, so when it cools, everything cools in this kind of haphazard fashion. And with the bright annealed stuff, it lines back up. And it actually, because it's all lined up, it makes it a lot shinier. So you you know, when, when things are all aligned, it reflects. And so what that does, it, it softens the steel a little bit and it lines up. So you get a little bit extra base out of that stuff. And that's why we use that for the back. So, you know, as much as, as much, I mean, in the beginning too, I thought exactly the same thing where it was like steel X is steel X, you know, this is like mathematically it. And 
it's i mean steel's a lot like wood in that regard there's things that you can do to it there's pores in the steel so like when we apply the patina we have to heat it up so that the pores expand so that it accepts some of that patina a little bit better um you know crazy stuff like that you know um the stainless steel there's an element in it that um reacts with that um reacts with oxygen and that's what makes it stainless and when we we sand that off that oxide layer off um and put the patina on that that element is still in there and that oxidizes with the air and reforms that layer and so it's like it's, you know metal is kind of this really cool um medium where it's it's kind of like wood but there's also like these like kind of magical <laughs> things that happen you know right. and uh you know and that's and that makes it kind of fun that's interesting but yeah that's yeah. all that's all fascinating it's not it's not what i would have imagined it to be at all yeah um, oh yeah it wasn't for me either <laughs> so and i and again too is like i'm not a metal worker i am a resonator maker so um you know there's, I mean, obviously there's guys who their whole lives have been dedicated to certain, you know, metalworking stuff. So everything I said might have been wrong and I apologize, but that's my <laughs> understanding of it up to this point, you know, um, because there's so many amazing things that guys do with metal, you know, like sheet metal guys shaping fenders for cars perfectly and all of that stuff, welders, and it's pretty cool. Yeah, that's that's part of the reason I was kind of interested to talk to you. I just I kind of assumed that I was gonna get a story that like lined up with like I don't so I you know I did a little bit of metalworking you know in my last job uh, cool as as a mechanic so like I was never super good at it but like I did I I was a heavy equipment mechanic so I did a lot of uh, you know a lot of not a lot but I did a decent amount of welding and cutting and making Sweet. things fabrication yeah. uh, not nothing like some of what some of my friends do but um i did a little bit of that and so i was kind of expecting some sort of story of oh well i used to work in a steel mill uh you know and so yeah I right to, yeah <laughs> you know i was always like a that. welder and you know a machinist and i just decided to you know get into guitars um you know i hear that a lot with like wood guitarists too like you know kind of like ex-engineers finding a you know early retirement job you know and going into guitars and bringing that kind of world of knowledge and uh man i wish <laughs> i wish that was my story <laughs> because that would have made things so much easier i mean i had nothing but like google and like what it's one thing to like find the answers it's another thing to find the questions and finding the right. questions was incredibly difficult for me um because yeah. like i said i had never <laughs> i had never cut a piece of cut a piece of metal so it was like how do you cut a piece uh, how do you cut a circle in a piece of metal it's like so i ended up i ended up driving to st louis missouri to pick up a pexto circle shear mm -hmm. to cut circles in metal because that was the way that they used to do it and that at the time that was the extent of my knowledge and so i had to act on the information that i had at the time otherwise you you get caught up in like is this right is this wrong it doesn't matter you just need to keep moving you know and eventually eventually stuff 
starts happening, but you don't know what you don't know, so you just have to do things. (laughs) (laughs) That's a good point. That's something that, like, I've talked to people before about, like, with business stuff, and it's like, um, sometimes you just have to start before, like, you you would, it would be nice if you knew everything about everything before you took the plunge, but you just have to, like, you have to start doing your thing. And then you will you will figure it out, yeah. or you won't, and you'll pivot and you'll do something else. Like it's not really the end of the world, but you you know if you really want to try something, you should you should just go try it. Oh, a hundred percent. I forget what the saying is exactly about like the enemy of a good plan is the thought of a perfect plan. Like there is no perfect plan, <laughs> you know. There's there's three different ways that this thing could work, and if you're hung up on trying to find the one way, you can you can sit there and try to figure that out. And I'm gonna try the two other things, and one of them's gonna stick, and I'm moving on. Yeah, I you know you know like with the business thing, you do not have time to sit and deliberate and ponder and you kind of idealize certain things. You have to decide right now, and you have to do something, and you know, move on. And, uh, I learned that at Huss and Dalton and, um, there was, it's a little bit, I won't say exactly what he said, but, um, I was a youthful enthusiast and I was going to make this sled for making, uh, finger braces. And so I went in the mill room and I drew this up and I thought, and I thought, and I pondered and I threw away and I went in. I went into the room, and I asked John Kalkin, who's like the old timer and just amazing, you know, production uh, type bodybuilder there at Huston Dalton. And I showed him my design. I was like, John, what do you think about this? And he looked at me. He's like, just build it. And that was it. <laughs> and went back to. And it was just like. That's that's exactly it. I mean, that was so striking for me as a lesson. It was just build it, and if it doesn't work, fix it. You know, right? <laughs> and and it was. I mean, it was so pivotal. I mean, that was that was thirteen years ago or something. Um, and I still I still go back to that almost almost every time I'm faced with some sort of conundrum that's not just building but like you said like on the business side of things is is just do it and then if it doesn't work move on and it's so incredibly freeing that way too is you you understand how um kind of uh you you're just lack of like capacity of knowledge is like i can't understand if this will be right or wrong so i just have to do it and it will tell me (laughs) right (laughs) so yeah yeah it seems like we kind of have a and you know everyone's everyone does this uh we we seem like as a society we've kind of uh we have the the ingrained in our brain early on that failure is a bad thing and uh you know, because, like, you fail a test or something, like, and that's bad. Exactly, You, you yeah. know, when really, like, sometimes it's, I mean, it sounds super cliche because you hear everybody say it, but it's true. Like, sometimes you learn more when you fail. You know, as long as you don't fail at, like, um, you know, walking across the street, because that would be a bad failure. You might get hit by a car, and you're not going yeah, to le- sure. learn anything from that one. But, like... Yeah. Like, yeah, I agree with you. I You know, and obviously there's a balance there. 
you learn you learn from failure and you also learn from success too those are both very powerful teachers but right. sometimes especially when you're doing something that is new that people haven't done really before or you yourself have no prior experience and is failure is the process like that's like finding finding all the wrong answers first is sometimes the only way to find the right answer and um and sometimes you have to go into that mode but yeah i mean it, like and not to get on a whole diatribe about it but you know throughout <laughs> school you go through 18 to 24 or further years of of trying to learn things and then you get tested on it and you get a bright red x mark over all the things you got wrong and then um you know you go out and try to do work and you're waiting for someone to tell you what's right and what's wrong and your employer's looking at you going like just do it yeah just build <laughs> and you're it. like wait i don't understand <laughs> like my brain is not because it's you've gone so long being taught that what you need to find is the right answer like that's what this assessment is about is you knowing the right answer and that is the antithesis of life <laughs> you know in mm -hmm. almost every context is it's you will not know the right answer but now is the time that you have to move on and you know do it and um yeah it's i th i think making things is is so such a great teacher of that um you know i i don't think everybody has to you know like a trade is not more virtuous than some other work but it definitely teaches you things in a very direct way that this is right and this is wrong and you don't know what to do but you kind of have to figure it out like, right <laughs> i i love i love systems like that like those physical you know kind of teachers um where you're not at a you're not at a sheet of paper or on the internet you're doing things and learning life stuff from them right right well it sounds we're kind of going on this somewhat philosoph philosophical kind of uh tangent yeah no i noticed like one of the things that kind of caught my eye and one of the big reasons i wanted to get you on the show besides of what you're doing is the um articles that you write sometimes um that seem to be very like uh, focused on makers of really any sort like it doesn't just have to be um guitar oriented but it, the, mm -hmm. i always thought that those those articles were really good um the ones that i've read Thanks. anyway and uh i don't know if there was there some sort of trigger with those that made you want to put those out there or is it what, what was kind of the what's the reason behind uh, creating those well, I think I think the trigger is so like like I said, I mean there was 13 years, 14 years between Roberto Venn and Mule. And in that time, 3 of those years were at Huss and Dalton. The rest of that time was at factories, um rolling tape, uh the engine place, uh filling orders at an industrial supply company, rubber extrusion, um Mm -hmm. So uh, it was it was very like monotonous work in these um situations but um along those in like in those jobs like when you're on the line with people I was I was really kind of blessed to make some friends um at those places who 
really enjoyed philosophical conversation. Um, I have had a friend at uh, McMaster Carr, Terrence, and and that man saved my life. <laughs> you know, in those jobs where it was very monotonous and we all took a great deal of pride in our work anyways, but to be able to converse about things um, all day long, every day, <laughs> for years, you can really unwrap stuff. And keep in mind, like, that whole time, my goal was to build guitars full-time. So I had a lot of time loading up, um, you know, loading up jigs to put into the extrusion press where I was thinking about the shop and thinking about building guitars and kind of formulating it in my head. So um, so I did a lot of thinking before I started doing the resonators. Um, so with now that the resonators seem to be um, successful, at least how I define it, and uh, I, I kind of want to share that knowledge with people who are willing to receive it, because if you don't, then you move on, you know. But during that whole time, I, I didn't really have anybody that I could ask, you know, who had done something similar. And so it was, uh, that was a, a big part in why it took so long was, uh, like, I had no idea what to do or what questions to ask. And so um, so I developed a lot of opinions on things. And now that I was able to put them into practice and see that, see which ones worked and see which ones didn't work if i can if i can write something and provide a shortcut with for somebody else like like that that is awesome you know to be able to buy somebody time like you know maybe they're running down this road and they hear something and then they you know run another direction or they you know are kind of that spurs an idea in their head um that's that's pretty amazing to me that's i mean i love the guitars and i love the customers who buy them and like i said with that connection with the builder this is about so much more than the guitars you know um it's about connection with people and i can do that with the customers and i can do that with other makers too because we're all on the kind of the same boat and when it's when it's not about the guitar when it's about the people now now it becomes something more than weighing your brace stock and you know like all of that stuff which has its place and is kind of fun but is kind of like self-serving in a way too where you know i only use spruce that has 15 grain lines per inch it's like okay well <laughs> that's okay but that's not the point you know the point is people and the point is music and the point is connection and when you answer those big questions, it really takes you in a different way um, than than it would have otherwise. Yeah, yeah, that's that's interesting. So I mean, that's that's a, a good way to look at things. I mean, yeah, it's a, I'm I'm sure there. I mean, there. I know that people read them, and I know that uh, you know they. I don't I don't build anything for the industry, but I've even taken things out of it that I thought were. Uh, they're just interesting ways to think about things. So. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah, it's a great, it's a great mechanism for for learning. So. Right. 
So uh, let's see if we can get back to guitars a little bit, so we don't. Yeah, uh, okay. Lo- yeah, let's so, segue. Unless people they've already they've already turned it off. They're like, oh no, I didn't tune yeah, in for a, right. for this. this yeah, is not I just wanted to hear about metal stuff. Yeah, <laughs> like come on, guys, get with it. We're talking yeah. about guitars and pizza on this podcast. Yeah, hey, we could talk about that all, for sure. Oh, well, we'll save that for a little later. Well, we got, I got a, I do have a couple direct questions about your guitars, though. Um. They, there's a, they're definitely different than like the Nationals or something. It seems like you've taken some very specific design elements and and uh, like you talked about the back, you think of, thinking of it like a drum head. Seems like there's some very specific things that you do to ensure that yours sound uh, different or better to you. Uh, and your customers what can you talk about some of that stuff sure yeah and i think i think that word used uh was real good different um because it's i mean to me my thinking is is there's no such thing as better there's only different that's why we all have or have had um different guitars because they all do different things and that's kind of the inspiration you hear some you can play a C slash G chord on one guitar and you get a song and then you play it on another guitar and you get a different song and you hear different things. And so the way that I do that differently with the resonators is traditionally thinking um, they wanted the resonator cone to do all the vibrating. So um, the way that they did that was with kind of stiffening up the body with sound posts and biscuits in between the sound well and the back of the guitar. And so that would provide support for the sound well and also kind of stiffen things up. So all of that vibrational energy uh, would go into and come out of the cones. Um, Now, in the beginning, um, like from what I learned at Huss and Dalton was obviously the back of the guitar plays a big role in producing the sound as well. And with resonator guitars, typically when they sound bad, it's because they sound too thin. And the way that you get more bass or a warmer sound is by having bigger sound waves. And the only way you can have bigger sound waves is by having a bigger piece of something vibrating. If you look at like your speaker, your computer speaker sitting on your desktop, you have a large speaker with for bass waves and you have a small speaker for triple waves because both of those things do what they do well you can't have just one do them both very well it's not physically possible so applying that thing into a resonator guitar what i wanted to do was have the back vibrate more because that's the biggest vibrational surface the top isn't vibrating you got a huge hole cut out in the middle and a sound well glued in there and i know i know People hear differences with like the flanged f holes versus the cutout. F- uh, I can't hear it, so it's not something I think about. I think about the back of the guitar. So I wanted to get that vibrating. Let the cones do what the cones do, which is like that upper mid range and the high end. And I want the back to do the warm stuff. So what I did was um, there's a neck tenon that run, that is glued into the heel of the neck and that stretches underneath the sound wall of the guitar. And what I do is I take a, it's a two and a half inch long screw that goes through the strap button on the end and that screws into the neck tenon through the side of the guitar. 
And so traditionally that is cut off. There there is no screw that goes into that tenon. But because I put that screw in there, the the string tension is now transferred to the side of the guitar. So you have the vertical side supporting that string tension. Verticals vertical structures are good at supporting weight. This is just a physical thing. So if I can transfer that tension to a vertical piece that's not very that's not really vibrating, I get a stronger system. And I'm also not interfering with the vibration because I don't have to brace things super heavy. So what I'm able to do is is support the string tension with the side, and then I put a wedge between the neck tenon and the back uh, to kind of tune the back a little bit to to put some tension in there. But I can let the I can let the back vibrate. So now you have a the large or the wide back vibrating, producing bigger bass waves. And um, that's kind of that's kind of my thinking with a resonator guitar. Now people might completely disagree with that, <laughs> you know, and that's <laughs> and that's totally fine. I, what I've learned after building three hundred of them is the sound is very different, and I love it. And it doesn't. There's no structural deficiency with that. It's a strong system, um, and it's it's sound that's very different than your traditional resonator, which is what I want. So. Um, and it's all because of that two inch, two and a half inch long screw going into the neck tenon. That's uh, that's really interesting. That's uh... yeah, yeah. It makes sense. Um, you know, when you when you let things do what they're kind of naturally and physically do well, I think you have a better guitar. Don't don't try to make your you know filing out in between your string slots improve your mid-range is like a nut is there to guide strings onto you know where they should be <laughs> it's it's not this great influencer of tone focus your energy um uh where it matters and and i i'm of the opinion that the closer to the saddle um the more difference you can make in any instrument the further th- further away you get from the saddle the less of a difference um you can make in an instrument Interesting. Very interesting. Um, going going back to the back, I with the focus of of uh, kind of the focus that sounded like was was really trying to get that back to vibrate, which makes me think that not only I mean yes, different players sound differently, but not only is the player having a, an effect on the sound with his hands, it seems like a differently shaped person would make the guitar sound different because the back is resting on them. Is, is, am I, like, reaching here, or is that make um, You sense? might be reaching a little bit. I think, it, like, I mean, I don't typically play with the back against me. And um, if you do, like, the where that, where that, and I've got a resin right here, where that... Um, where that wedge is between the neck tenon and the back is like mm-hmm. smack in the middle of that lower bout. So if you were to like, if you were to really press that guitar against your body, you can affect the sound of it. But there's already that wedge in the middle. So typically where if it would rest against you, you're still resting against that wedge. Got it. So Got it's, it. okay. it's not really a dramatic um, difference in tone if you're, you know, if it's sitting up against you or not. I, I see. Okay, that's that's a little differently than what I was picturing in my in my head. Yeah, so that, that for makes sure. Sense. And I, you know, I'm not I'm not a uh, expert in this, but I remember reading um, 
something Irvin Samoji was talking about tuning tops, and and uh, and forgive me if I'm misquoting him, but um, I I believe he's of the opinion that the outside edges of the guitar is where like that's where it contributes most to like the bass response, and um, so yeah, you have the wedge in the middle, but as you go away from the wedge, it gets looser, so that's able to vibrate more. So, um, yeah, that's kind of, that's kind of the thinking with that, uh, wedge back there. Got it. Got it. Um, well, so we've, we've talked about the guitars, but the, you are up to some other things and we're, we're almost, we're getting down to the last few here and I wanted to give you an opportunity to kind of like, yes, obviously if anyone hasn't figured it out yet, uh, Matt makes resonator guitars. Um, but he also makes some other stuff. So what can you talk about the, some of the other things you do? Um, yeah, so we do the resonators and then, uh, we started doing electric guitars. We call them mule casters and, um, the, yeah, they're steel bodied T style guitars and, uh, um, those are super fun. So then we, we started going on the electric guitar path. Um, so then we started winding pickups um, so we, we make our own pickups now. Adam Smith, who works um, at Mule, he also winds the the pickups for us. And, and those are super fun because kind of like with the resonator stuff, was I was a non-metal guy making metal guitars. We were not pickup guys making pickups. <laughs> and so <laughs> that was kind of fun because what we were able to do was kind of pull ideas from different pickups that we liked and put them together without any preconceived notion of well these Alnico 2s versus Alnico 3s, you know, whatever. We were able to put those magnets and go like I can't hear the difference, <laughs> you know. Right. But then we would try some some you know different windings or gauge or physical structure of the pickup and we go like whoa, like we really like that. So uh, so we make a, a neck pickup that we call, it's a, it's in a mini humbucker housing. We call it the, uh, Tom Thumbucker. And then we make a bridge pickup that we call the Wii 90. That's also in a mini humbucker size. And, um, that's been really fun because we were able to take different elements of different pickups and put them together. So even though it's in a mini humbucker housing, it's not a mini humbucker, but, ooh, but we like that size. There was something about the sound of that and being able to approach pickups in kind of that free way was was pretty cool and we got we got two pickups that we really love and so we so we make those for the mule casters but we also have this other site we call um mulestuff.com where we kind of sell things that we make along the way um so we sell those pickups on mule stuff and then we also have tuners there um that i designed and then had made um, they're three on a plate, uh, acoustic guitar tuners for slot head and solid head. And that was me kind of beefing with kind of the mid grade tuners that are available now is like, <laughs> it kind of felt like either you buy $30 cheapies or you buy $150 wave release. And there wasn't really anything in the middle that looked really nice or worked decently. So, um, these are kind of trying to, my contribution to, um, to uh, other builders to try to get some nice-looking uh, mid-grade tuners. So 
Nice. Um, nice. Yeah. So that's on MuleStuff.com. So that's that's like, and we sell hats there too. That's just kind of our thing where we like do fun stuff and put it on there and you know sell it from there. So. Right. Right. That's that's really cool. Um, yeah. There was there was something. Oh yeah. Was there some? So like a, obviously a resonator and a the mule caster are like two. Well, they're both metal. They're two very different things. Was was there an inspiration for it? Like you said, you you. I mean, we've talked a lot about metal, but in referring the music term metal, you said you used to be into metal, and I'm yeah. th- keep thinking you're gonna make something eventually that would be more for that genre, where the the you know the Telecaster style is still. Yeah, like I know. A... Um, you know, I've thought about it. The thing, really, the inspiration for making the electric guitars was me wanting to buy a TIG welder like so um <laughs> so like the resonators they're all like formed over like jigs and stuff and then they're soldered uh the the steel is really thin and so soldering is like the lowest temperature if you get metal hot especially stainless steel it will warp and so you want to use that low temperature method of joining the metal with the resos because the steel is thinner with the um, electric guitars because there's more curves and stuff involved you can't really form that and then solder it so you have to tig weld the plates and i i tig welding for me was kind of like driving a manual shift car when i was 18 it was like one of those bucket list things where i just like wanted to be capable <laughs> you know right. like, so, <laughs> you know i'm gonna learn how to do this so i had i really had no idea how to tig weld but everyone talked about tig welding as like the ultimate like welding um technique and so it was really kind of this excuse for me to buy a tig welder and learn how to use it so um so i just do the telecaster style ones now and um you know i might do a i might do a crazy metal guitar um in the future but man we got we've got like 100 guitars on a wait list right now so trying to figure out another type of guitar kind of makes me queasy so <laughs> yeah <laughs> so yeah um i think we'll leave it at the rezo and the mule caster for now call it good yeah that's probably that's probably best for the customers hey i ordered a guitar why are you wasting your time making yeah a nice right i know and best <laughs> for me like i said i mean this was brutal figuring this stuff out so like every time i try to come up with a new one and get the itch it ends up being a lot harder than i imagined Right. Uh, yeah, that that's true. As much yeah. as we just uh, shouted about just do it, you know, sometimes it, the process is difficult. But sometimes hey. you need to lay in a hammock and drink a beer. <laughs> 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 yeah. Yeah, that's a that's, I'm gonna that's gonna be the quote for this episode. Sometimes <laughs> yeah. you just need to lay in a hammock and drink a beer. Yeah, exactly. That's funny. <laughs> Well, so we are right down to the last few. Um, we, uh, uh, where can everybody find you on the internet? And then we'll go for the last question. Okay. Um, well, the website is muleresophonic.com. And uh, I'm on Instagram, Mule Resonator Guitars. And really, Instagram is where uh, we update the most. So if you want to see yummy resonator building pictures and general shop hijinks uh instagram's the place to do it right on right on so matt all right the final question that everybody's been dying to know the whole time which would be 
What kind of pizza do you like? <laughs> the pizza? Um, if you're ever in Elma, Michigan, is where I grew up, mm-hmm. Pizza Sam's Pizza, okay, is the best. The best pizza. Get it baked on a screen. Okay, it makes the crust all yummy and good. Oh. Um, but, yeah, I'm a, I'm a meat pizza guy, so, you know, you put all that ham, put all that bacon, all that pepperoni on there, bake it on a screen, go down to Pizza Sam's, pick it up, and you will not be disappointed. So, do it. That sounds good. I never thought about oh, it so on good. a screen. That's oh, genius. Oh, yeah, man. It's great. Uh... <laughs> yeah. I know I what I'm to having. Say that. I mean, I lived in Chicago, and you'd think like, "Oh yeah, I know this place in Chicago." Now, no, go to Pizza Stands in Elma, have their pizza, be impressed. Okay, I will. I'll do that. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. Well, that's uh, that's about it for this episode. Um, so thank you for coming on. Yeah, man. Thanks for uh, having me and letting me rant and rave and talk about guitars. Absolutely, absolutely. So, for Matt, this is Blake, and as always, folks, good luck and good times. One last thing before we totally sign off here, I just want to remind you, that if you do any shopping at Stringjoy, that's Stringjoy Guitar Strings made in Nashville, that will help me out as well. As I've said for years, I'm heavily involved in that company, and I really do think they're making the best products on the market. So if you would like to try custom strings, go to tonemob.com stringjoy and check them out today. I seriously, seriously, seriously love what the team down there is doing. I help them out with all kinds of things, and by you supporting them, you are also supporting me as well. And hey, you need some strings, so why not get some custom strings just for your guitar and playing style? Again, the link for that is tonemob.com stringjoy, and that will take you right to their website, and you can do all your shopping through there, and that will help everyone involved out. So thank you very much. Talk to you next time. We are brought to you by the wonderful folks at Gun Street Wiring Shop. Yes, Gun Street Wiring Shop. I've talked about them before. I used to say based out of Bend, Oregon, but guess what? Sean moved to my neck of the woods. Sean's in Portland. Sean is awesome and has helped me with a bunch of stuff lately. And if you have wiring needs for your guitar, he can help you too. If you want to get weird with it, he can get weird. If you just need to spruce things up a little bit, there's your guy. He takes all the guesswork out of doing your guitar wiring, and he makes it simple and his customer service is top-notch, and I can't say enough good things about Gunstreet as a company. I really respect Sean and what he's all about, and the product is top-notch. I've got three different guitars that now have Gunstreet harnesses in them, and I could not be happier. So go to GunstreetWiringShop.com and check them out.